Hello, hello, hello. My name is Andrew, and I would like to welcome you to this week's episode of The Bible Less Traveled. This is a podcast where we're on a journey as fellow travelers into the text of the Bible, a journey that is a little different than the norm. We'll be doing pretty normal things, like reading texts from the Bible, analyzing them, interpreting them, and trying to apply them to today, but we'll be doing so from a decidedly unfundamentalist perspective. This week, we continue our arc of episodes tackling different myths about the Bible. This week's myth is, the Bible is like a handbook to life. <laughs> now, if you spend any time in Christian circles, you will have encountered this myth uh, to, in one degree or another, either outright when someone comes out and, well, says it, <laughs> or in another sense where it's more implied, someone says, oh, I'm having trouble with dating. I'm going to look at the Bible to figure out how I should deal with this, or you know, that kind of a thing. You get the idea. Now, the, the this myth is, there's some similar, a lot of these myths that we're dealing overlap to some extent. Um, and that's fine. It's, it's normal. Um, myths uh, usually derive from similar places, uh, even if they have slightly different applications. We're using this as a gateway into talking about uh, the complexity of genre specifically um in scripture so we well i'm just going to keep going instead of giving you the whole outline at the, at the beginning here um <laughs> the underlying assumptions of this myth are uh threefold you have the bible can be taken at face value uh, that you can come to any text in scripture with your current assumptions about it without any modifications and read it and understand it. Second underlying assumption is that everything in the Bible has equal weight. That we can read one part of the Bible the exact same way that we read a different part of it. And then the third assumption is the Bible is a different sort of book from every other kind of book. All right. So uh, let's just spend a second breaking down these assumptions. We've spent a lot of time breaking down the first one already, but let's just say that when it comes to our topic today, genre, um, this becomes an even more difficult position to maintain. Since we tend to view the Bible as a single book and not a library of various types of literature, we tend to flatten the text and reduce its complexity. And when faced with that complexity, many people double down in an effort to protect the Bible as holy scripture, instead of taking a step back and really considering whether the very complexity that they're attempting to defend against is what makes the Bible holy scripture to begin with. All that to say, no, taking the Bible at face value is not really in our interests. If, if this just isn't clicking for you, though, I recommend listening to the previous episode on questioning the text. When it comes to the second assumption that everything in the Bible has equal weight, um, this simply cannot be true without creating a massive conundrum. If I adhere to this assumption, 
and I say that I don't believe that Noah's flood is a historical event, then I also bring into question the historicity of, say, the life and work of Jesus, or the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles. The problem with this line of thinking is that these are two very, very, well, three very, very different types of genres, myth and gospel and and historical narrative with very different goals, very different styles, and extremely different contexts, cultural context, chronological context, canonical context, etc. It's like comparing apples and oranges, jazz and rock and roll, an alternate history science fiction to a thriller. If this is a library of books written slowly over centuries and across a variety of genres, it makes sense that you couldn't just assume that every single thing in it has the same sort of weight. It might be important to define what I mean by weight. I don't mean, uh, don't mean it in a sense of authority, although there is an argument to be made there as well, especially depending on how we define authority and what we mean when we say that the Bible is authoritative, but that's a different discussion for a different time. What I mean by weight here is that we can approach it with the same assumptions, with the same framework of interpretation. To say that different parts of the Bible have different weight is to say that the text is complex, multifaceted, and three-dimensional. To insist otherwise is to flatten the text to reduce everything to the lowest common denominator of, what does this say to me? And erase a lot of the meaning and beauty that is contained therein. The third assumption, the Bible's a different sort of book from every other kind of book, or a different sort of literature from all other kinds of literature. When it comes to its literary components, which is, well, all of it, uh, the Bible shares a lot with other literature from its time. While there are some unique bits, from a literary perspective, there isn't much special other than the specific topic, the work of the God of the Israelites in the world. The written word is the written word. The Proverbs have a lot in common with Egyptian wisdom sayings. Genesis 1 has a lot in common in structure and context to Enuma Elish, a different creation story from Babylon. Paul's letters are just that, common letters, with a lot in common to other letters written by other people in that day and age. From a literary perspective, there isn't much special about the Bible, and that is okay. Me saying that is absolutely not even remotely blasphemous. You would probably agree with that, especially if you've listened to our episodes leading up until now. But uh, let's get into more of our topic for today, which is kind of a quick presentation on the complexity of genre. And this is actually a part one <laughs> episode. I had to break this up into two. Otherwise, uh, this probably would have been an hour, hour and a half <laughs> long. Um, but I want to start by 
talking about genre itself, because unless you've spent a lot of time doing literary analysis or you're a biblical scholar or you've had to do biblical studies of some uh, some nature, you're probably not or you're an author, I suppose you're probably not too familiar um, with what exactly genre means other than how to commonly use it. So genre is a category of artistic musical or literary composition characterized by a particular style form or content i will read that one more time genre is a category of artistic musical or literary composition characterized by a particular style form or content the key words here are particular style form or content <laughs> any genre whether artistic musical or literary has within it different works that all share things in common uh let's start with some modern day examples of literary genres so we have kind of the two big categories of genres that we talk about we have fiction and we have nonfiction. Nonfiction consists of history, biography, travel guides, philosophy, journalism, self-help, how-to, commentaries, comedy, etc. And then you have fiction. Uh, fiction, there's kind of a big five, uh, if you will. <laughs> um, when it comes to genre, you have mystery and crime, romance, fantasy, science fiction, and horror. Uh, and you can kind of group these in these five genres into two different categories of realistic fiction, which has mystery and crime and romance, and speculative fiction, which contains fantasy, science fiction, and horror, usually. Uh, each of these, of course, have their own subgenres, subcategories as well, uh, of even further specification of commonalities. So, you know, I mean, all mystery and crime novels are going to share something in common, right? There's going to be crime and people are going to be trying to figure out, figure it out. Or there's going to be a mystery to solve and that that's what the main focus of the book is uh, some subcategories of mystery and crime subgenres would be classic detective this is your sherlock holmes uh thrillers and cozy mysteries <laughs> uh, and then you have romance again all romance novels the main driver of plot of context of everything is going to be romance um you have historical romance so romance set in the past romantic suspense uh and erotic romance uh probably more commonly referred to as erotica of course yeah anyway uh and then when it comes to fantasy you have uh you know everything in fantasy is either going to be set in an alternate world or include magic to some extent or be riffing off of myth uh some kind of alternate something uh something fantastical or supernatural is involved so you have high fantasy think lord of the rings 
uh, sword and sorcery, mythic fantasy, science fiction is just that, fiction revolving around science to some extent. You have post-apocalyptic fiction, hard science fiction, which is very technical technically correct science fiction and then you have alien invasion science fiction these aren't exhaustive lists of subgenres by the way if you want to know more subgenres just go look them up there's a ton out there um and then for horror and then horror you have comedy horror dark fantasy and paranormal are all kind of fall into that um genre um but again the there's usually some element of fear, uh, su suspense, surprise, um, all that going, going on. We, we've kind of come to, I mean, you go into any bookstore today and you see things organized largely by genre and subgenre, uh, to a certain extent. So the, uh, we're not used to thinking we're used to thinking this way in terms of books i mean that's just kind of a natural uh a natural go-to for us but in terms of genres in the bible um we're gonna find a little bit of a different landscape um that some of which is going to be obvious and uh other things might feel a little uh like huh um and today we're just going to kind of touch on a lot of these um and then in the next episode we'll be breaking these down a little more in depth and specifically so in terms of genres that are in the bible we have law um this includes you know commandments and precepts intended for the governing of society for a people um possible subgenres would be commandment um, which are kind of enduring laws that are larger than societal specific and then you have cultural and societal laws um, another genre would be narrative and narrative this is this is story so it's something that that's being presented as a uh, with a narrative flow like someone's telling you what happened um, different types of narratives are myth so these are stories trying to answer the question of why things are the way they are a good example of this would be uh genesis well actually the only example of this would be genesis uh chapter 2 4 through 11 9 this largely this first section of genesis is myth um uh, setup if you will of why things are the way they are um, there's a lot of bits and pieces in there, and we'll go into examples of that next time. <laughs> I'm trying to restrain myself from, from jumping into examples uh, right now. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Okay, yeah, and then uh, another type of narrative uh, is a historical narrative. So these are narratives around a particular event or person from history, from the history of the people of Israel or the early church. Um, I throw the early church in there because there's only one example of historical narrative from the New Testament, and that's the book of Acts. But an example of a historical narrative um, from the Old Testament would be, say, the book of Judges. 
um, or the book of Joshua, uh, such like that. Uh, another narrative subgenre is gospel. This may sound kind of weird, but it is its own genre. <laughs> um, one that's actually very commonly misused and misapplied. Something we'll talk about next time. I know this is this is the intro, the 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 introduction to to all the concepts, and then we'll we'll get our hands dirty next time. Uh, so, go- gospels are narratives about the life of Jesus that are intended as a proclamation of a particular message. Uh, gospel stands for good news. Um, if you've spent any time in the church or uh, as a person of Christian faith, you you understand <laughs> maybe a little bit uh, what a little part of that good news is. Although often we we leave out like the most of it. Um, and then another uh, narrative genre is parable. So these are stories with generic characters that contain layered uh, layered meaning and which are told to illustrate a particular point. Um, or several points, depending on <laughs> on the on the parable. Clear as mud so far. Excellent. Uh, let's move on to our next larger genre in scripture, and that's poetic literature. So this is literature using that that shares in common this basic Hebrew poetic style, which are these parallelisms. Um, we'll look at a lot of examples of this next time. Uh, but you have wisdom literature. So these are meditations on the righteous or good life and how to live it. We have wisdom sayings, uh, common to say Proverbs or Ecclesiastes. And then you have wisdom monologues, common to say more to Job. Um, another form of poetic literature is prophecy, uh, which is a little bit of a... This is this is you, this has potential to be its own genre. Uh, I'm including it under poetry because the majority <laughs> of the prophetic books are written kind of in this uh, parallel poetic style. Um, but these are proclamations of truth um, about uh, God and God's relationship with God's people. Anyway, we can we'll we'll dig more into that next time. Um, Psalms. Uh, is another example of poetry, one that most people are familiar with, but they're poems that are usually set to music. Uh, music that we have long lost <laughs> the rhythm to and don't know uh, don't know any of the uh, references um, that are made to musical styles and whatnot in the Psalms, which there are actually quite a few. Uh, if only we could... Uh, we understood what those were, we might be able to experience the Psalms a little bit closer to the fullness of how they were meant to be experienced. But there's lots of different kinds of Psalms. I've listed six here, the, the major types. I've seen more than this, but they, these are the big ones. You have Psalms of praise, Psalms of thanksgiving, communal and individual Psalms of thanksgiving, Psalms of lament, communal and individual, Psalms of lament, wisdom Psalms, which are like Psalms that also explore wisdom themes. 
um, royal psalms, which are psalms relating to the Davidic line, <laughs> kingdom, uh, etc., uh, and, and how it's the means of God's deliverance of God's people. Uh, and then you have imprecatory psalms. I know, just forget that word, imprecatory. It's, it's not important for you to remember. But imprecatory psalms, these are psalms that are invoking God's judgment against those that are perceived as God's enemies. Okay. Two more types of uh, types of genre uh, in the Bible. We have epistles. These are instructional letters. You have communal letters like Ephesians, which is the majority of them. And you also have a few personal letters uh, in uh, in Scripture, such as First uh, Timothy, which is a letter to Timothy. Um, and then you have we have apocalyptic literature. Uh, this is not the same thing as prophecy. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, this is literature written in a highly coded language that specifically offers a message of hope. That might strike some of you as odd, um, but I, I promise that is the case. And we'll we'll explore that again in, a, in more detail and depth next time. Um, but examples of apocalyptic literature are like the second half of Daniel, the first part of Ezekiel, and the book of Revelation is uh, the most common. But there's also like, I think, a chapter in Matthew, <laughs> chapter in Zechariah. I mean, you know, like the, it, it's, it's spread around. Um, but again, we'll talk about that more in depth next time. A couple other minor forms of genre that could be considered genre just because they are unique. Uh, are genealogies uh, so lists of descendants um, we see genealogies as a part of some of the the mythic literature in uh, in scripture towards the end there and then we also have uh, some genealogies in um, a couple of the gospels uh, genealogies of jesus um, we also uh, have census data <laughs> <laughs> in scripture uh literally you know counting of people um and that's like the first four chapters of numbers um so just to kind of restate all of these this is a uh, and and expanding beyond the um kind of the bigger categories the the big five of the bible are would be law narrative poetic literature epistles and apocalyptic um but the list of substantive genres in scripture that we'll be look, taking a more specific look at next time are law, myth, historical narrative, gospel, parable, wisdom, prophecy, psalms, epistles, and apocalyptic. Um, before, yeah, well, it, I want to talk a little bit about I know I'm kind of leaving you hanging there because you're like, well, let's talk more about that stuff now. But I promise we'll we'll be we'll be here way too long uh, if we try to do that. So I want to talk a little bit more about why it's important to consider genre when reading the biblical texts. You know, just as we wouldn't read nonfiction and fiction works and expect the same sort of information out of them, or even two different fiction genres, uh, we don't do so with the same types of literature in the Bible. Poetry is trying to do and say something different than historical narrative. Uh, apocalyptic literature is trying to do and say something different than law. 
And epistles are offering different sorts of guidance than wisdom literature, etc. Like being able to know about what genre we are reading gives us a framework to approach the text with. If we approach every text with the same framework, such as the Handbook for Life framework, we will miss the nuances that are related to genre. Being able to pick up on these nuances helps us to better understand what the aims of the text might be, or what specifically it is not trying to do, uh, and what we might be tempted, which might be what we're tempted to make it do. Um, It gives us boundaries to our understanding, which in the end helps make whatever text we're engaging with less nebulous and more understandable. Um, This is why we as humans categorize things, is it helps increase our ability to understand, especially when we can compare them to like things. So we are going to be talking more about these categories uh, next time. I know this has been a lot of kind of explanation um but again in our next episode we really are going to dive deep into each of these biblical genres with identifying traits examples and the like so be sure to tune in again next time on the bible less traveled thank you for listening again i'm andrew and this has been an episode of the bible less traveled if you like what i'm doing here head on over to my facebook page at the bible less traveled and give us a follow and a rating Thanks again for joining me. I'll talk with you next time. Until then, grace and peace, my fellow travelers.